Late, late, so late, and dark the night and chill. Late, late, so late, but we can enter still. Too late, too late, ye cannot enter now. No light had we, but that we do repent. In learning this, the bridegroom will relent. Too late, too late, he cannot enter now. No light, so late, the dark and chill the night. Oh, let us in, that we may find the light. Too late, too late, he cannot enter now. Have we not heard the bridegroom is so sweet? Well, let us in, though late, to kiss his feet. No, no, too late. He cannot enter now. Those words of Alfred Lord Tennyson, the famous English poet, those words allude to the parable we just heard from Matthew chapter 25. And they express what I would call the ultimate consequence of neglect. The ultimate consequence. Happily, none of us has ever experienced this consequence. It overlooked Hopefully none of us ever will. Now the parable itself may sound a bit strange to us, but it would not have sounded strange to the people who first heard it. It's because Jesus was speaking here about ordinary wedding customs, ordinary wedding customs of his day, and he was using these as a vehicle to talk about the four last things. Hopefully we all know what those are. We've studied our catechism well, we should know. Four last things are death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And by the way, they haven't changed since Vatican II. The four last things are, were, and always will be the four last things. The wise virgins who had oil in their lips when the bridegroom arrived, they symbolize those who are ready for judgment when Jesus comes for them, either at the end of their earthly lives or at the end of time. The foolish virgins represent all those who are not ready for that decisive moment. But what I find extremely significant is the reason why these virgins are judged unworthy, why they are told in Tennyson's words, too late, too late, ye cannot enter now. It's not because they were a bunch of wild, crazy, cannibalistic serial killers. It's because they were slothful and negligent. He simply failed to get oil for their lamps. That was it. It's interesting, I read several commentaries on this text in preparation for this homily, and almost all of the authors said that the oil in the story symbolizes good works. But the risk of disagreeing with several prominent biblical scholars, I think there's more to it than that. Most people, even evil people, do some good works now and again. Every once in a while, at least they get it right and do something nice. But Jesus tells us at the beginning of this parable these virgins brought no oil whatsoever. The oil represented good works. I think Jesus would have said that they brought a little bit of oil with them. Not enough, of course, but at least a tiny bit, signifying the few good things that they had done. The fact that he says they brought no oil at all leads me to believe something else. Leads me to believe that this oil actually signifies what the church would call sanctifying grace. 
Sanctifying grace is the grace that makes us pleasing to God. It's the grace we first receive at baptism. It's the grace we lose if we commit a mortal sin, but which gets restored happily when we go to confession. If a person dies without this grace in his soul, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Too late, too late, he cannot enter now. In all honesty, this is something I've thought about more and more in recent years with all my health issues. First, Parkinson's disease, then prostate cancer, now multiple myeloma. It's one heck of a trifecta, believe me. Makes you realize how fragile life is, how short life is, that we always need to be ready to meet the Lord. These virgins, these foolish virgins, knew they weren't ready. They knew they didn't have the oil they needed, which means they represent all those who know they need to repent and go to confession because they've mismassed some other serious sin. But even though they knew they needed the oil, these foolish virgins decided to postpone their trip to the store. And what was their reasoning? They figured they had plenty of time of course, is the very same reason why some people avoid repentance and confession. And by the way, I think this is one of the most effective lies that Satan uses on human beings. It's a lie that says, take your time. There's no right. There's always tomorrow. I think we all know this is where certain people look forward to tomorrow, and tomorrow never came. He died unexpectedly that very day. This parable also reminds us that when we leave this life, we will be judged on our own merits, not on the merits of others. As St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, the lives of all of us are to be revealed before the tribunal of Christ so that each one may receive recompense, good or bad, according to his life in the body. On Judgment Day, we won't be able to borrow or buy sanctifying grace from somebody else. We will either have it or we won't. We all know, my brothers and sisters, that neglect has consequences. We know that from our day-to-day experience. For example, if we neglect our physical health, what happens? The blood pressure goes up, the waistline goes out, and our risk of having a heart attack or a stroke goes through the roof. If we're a student and we neglect to do our homework, our grades go down and our parents' blood pressure goes through the roof. If we neglect a family member or a friend in some way, our relationship with that person gets damaged, perhaps severely. From common everyday experiences like these, the Lord wants us to learn not to neglect our soul. That's the bottom line message of my homily today. Don't neglect your soul ever. God wants us to examine our consciences frequently and honestly so that we can take swift action against our sins and avoid what I referred to earlier as the ultimate consequence of neglect. In case you haven't figured that out yet, the ultimate consequence is hell. The ultimate consequence of neglect is eternal separation from God. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, died to give us life, eternal life. But that life is not automatic. Eternal life is the consequence 
of vigilance, a standing guard over the gift of sanctifying grace first given to us at baptism. Sanctifying grace is what you might call spiritual oil. It's a spiritual oil that burns not just for a day, a month, or a year, but forever. It's a spiritual oil that allows us to gain entrance to the eternal wedding feast of the land. Today I pray that each and every one of us will have an abundance of that oil in our lamps whenever our time comes to leave this mortal life to go to meet the eternal bridegroom who is, of course, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.